Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 32nd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2080 Star-Lord for April 1979, progs 107 to 110. This week, Judge Dredd will defeat Cal, go on vacation, and then bring justice to some no-good punks. Also, everything else this week is the greatest ever. How's it going this time, Fox? Uh, I'd say it was a trip to hell, but really it was just schlock heaven. Like, it's amazing. It's an amazing month this month. Yeah, it's a trip to hell in the best possible version of that. Oh, absolutely. In, like, the, in, and in the detail that I love. Like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, buddy. All right. Oh, it's hell time. It's good times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, drove me a little crazy, but I'm really into it. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of crazy, 301 Judge Dread. All right, Judge Dredd, the script robot this month is John Wagner, writing as John Howard, the art robots Ron Smith and Brian Bolland, and the lettering robot is Tom Frame. <laughs> we start with Dredd and the Rebels, uh, Judge Giant, Judge Griffin, Judge Kelso, Judge Pepper, all breaking into the Hall of Justice using the underground tunnels that lead through the first chief ju- to the grave of the first chief judge judge fargo is he entombed there or is that just his stuff i think he's entombed there like lenin style kind of oh my god super awesome also gross because it says here lies judge fargo mm. you know and it's like the sealed case and everything yeah 2001 to 2051 freak out He's alive now. Start looking for the judge child. Man, you don't even know what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But so they break in. Fergie stops while breaking in to make sure that his flies come with him. And they they make their way into the Hall of Justice. The basic plan is they'll act natural and blend in. Unfortunately, Judge Dredd's (laughs) instantly recognized. And so backhands a dude right in the teeth. And then they just shoot their way through the whole place. Which, uh, you know, actually really works out for them. They almost immediately get to the control room where they have to put that special tape in the machine that makes people brainwashed. Hey, just because it's plan B doesn't mean it's a bad plan, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, why not just go with that one? I well, guess you know, shoot as many people. Yeah, they don't want to kill quite as many of their own guys as they if they, if they don't have to, you know. Mm. But so they go to the briefing room. They replace Cal's tape with their own, and the judges instantly turn on Cal. But it's now or never because all the nerve gas has been distributed around the city, and all that remains is for Cal to go to the top of the giant Statue of Justice, of course, a statue of a judge towering over the Statue of Liberty, and and press the button to release the nerve gas. Uh, since everybody's about to die, the Cleggs are like, hey, we're good, uh, see you later. <laughs> and as they prepare to get on their ships to go to their next job, the judges attack! Ah, uh, snap! And it's a lot of them on awesome amounts of motorcycles. Yeah, they're all in their lawmasters. Um, the Cleggs try to surrender, but the judges are like, no dice, and just gun and, them all down. Oh my god, the scene where they're just like blowing them to shreds with bullets. 
It's real awesome. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. So Cal run, uh, runs for the statue, and a giant door closes behind him. Kelso tries to slide under it, but the anti van, but he doesn't make it, and it's an anti-vandal door. So it crushes him to death. Smashes him. Oh, so awesome. And um, all their bike guns will never be able to break through the door, so all is lost. Or maybe. <laughs> Probably in, not, though. In the next prog, as more Clegs are gunned down by the judges... <laughs> they drive a truck through the entry to the statue. It's and the make bullet it through. truck. Yeah. Or another one of those bullet trucks. Mm. Uh, they all head in. Or sorry, at the in the head of the uh, st- of the Statue of Justice, Cal shares a toast with some of his top lieutenants, and then they're about to turn on him, but it turns out that he's poisoned them and they all die. <laughs> Cal is about to press the, the hell. yeah he's about to press the button to activate the nerve gas when Fergie leads the charge against him uh, and gets three shots to the chest for his action from Cal. She's like no Fergie down. Oh, yeah, and also even though the uh, the second tape has kind of broken Cal's mass hypno mass hypnosis, mm. once he's actually there giving orders, the judges all quickly fall in line and start trying to restrain the rebels. Which is super bizarre, but, you know, then Fergie gets his second wind, I guess. Fergie, yeah. Well, you know, the three shots basically turned Fergie's screen red, and he had to hide behind something for a couple seconds. (laughs) And then he was cured just good as new. He rallies. I mean, any video game, basically. (laughs) He uh, he grabs Cal, he puts him in a headlock, and then... Cal orders a bunch of judges to like pull him off, but Fergie won't be stopped, and he takes himself, Cal, and a dozen other judges trying to restrain him over the side of the statue and to the ground hundreds of feet below. The tyrant is defeated. Dude. And the, then they erect a statue of Fergie like yeah. everywhere. Well, I was going to say, first there's a funny moment where Cal says that as chief judge, he has control over the laws of gravity as well. Oh and tries to God. stop himself from falling. But it's no dice. Yeah, no, he just he just gets crushed. Yeah. In the aftermath, and after the remaining Clegs are wiped out, they even show them, like, exploding their spaceships as they try to fly away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mega City 1 is rebuilt and filled with statues commemorating Fergie and his sacrifice. It's him sitting on a toilet. It's good. Uh, it's time to choose a new judge. Who? Maybe Judge Dredd? But nah, he rejects it because he's just a simple street judge. Instead, sweet eye patch judge instructor <laughs> uh, Griffin is given the job. And Dredd heads out to the streets. Hey, that's where he's needed. Ah, so, just so you know, Fox... What's up? We've basically been running two, a one continuous storyline since the Cursed Earth started. Oh ba- my god. Back in episode 17. Like, this is episode 32. Yeah, you know? unbroken. It's just been one thing to another. All the Cursed Earth, which leads directly to Judge Cal, which leads directly to now, basically. Oh my god. As part of this, Prog 109, there's no Judge Dredd. He just takes the, he takes the week off, basically. You need it when you're pumping out that much. My God. And all connected, too. And then Prague 110, we get the first uh, regular Prague Dread one-shot since episode 17. (laughs) So there's been some time accordioning, accordioning, basically. Mm. Like, a lot gets made about Judge Dread taking place in real time. So, like, 
what's happening in Mega City One, like today in 2017, is 40 years from what was taking place. You know, when Judge when 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 Whitey killed killed the judge in Prague Two of 2000 AD. You know, right. Um, but you know, that's it. That doesn't mean that every week, every Prague is the is what happened in Mega City mm-hmm. One the week that that Prague came out, right? Right. It's not like I mean, many times there's connected stories where very little time passes in between progs. So it means that every once in a while, when they finish big stories like that, time accordions a little bit, and that's what it is here. We're sort of, as opposed to being stretched out very much, it's compacts in. So mm. this one starts. It's several months later, basically. Uh, the city's I getting see. back underway, but in the absence, as the judges have been sort of rebuilding the city and revitalizing things and getting back up to up and going things have broken down a little bit in certain parts of the city womp womp yeah, as, we see, as we see now a bunch of no good punks have taken over part of the city <laughs> and they've said punks just means like people with really odd choices of like mouthware yeah I mean it's sort of a general term for like heavy metal and hardcore and everything else guys you know <laughs> I suppose um yeah, so they've established their own punk version of the justice system, and basically they've made a, a no-go zone there, and from the map that we see in Justice HQ, it's somewhere in, like, South Carolina, basically. But this will not stand. No. Some of the, some of the judges suggest, like, a, we send a 50-man squad of judges to root them out, but Dredd disagrees. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dredd disagrees. He said, uh, "He says, send one man to clean them up to put the fear of judges back into everyone in Meg City in Mega City One." Bet so. It's that, yeah. Just send me in, and I'll beat up everybody and put them in my big uh, dump truck, and I'll shoot a bunch of guys in the hand, but not kill anyone, and make sure we just arrest everybody. Um, he shoots some people. <laughs> so. <laughs> He definitely. Oh, that's right. The hot shot comes back. Yeah. So that what Fox said is right. Basically, uh, Dread arrives at the no go zone with a garbage truck, and he proceeds to one man army his way through the neighborhood. Um, it's pretty great. Everybody, he you know he does shoot guns out of hands and shoot guns generally to try to take people alive, but then he basically ties he basically handcuffs them to the inside the garbage truck. But, you know, he'll kick you in the face. He'll shoot you in a way that makes you fall off a building or use one of his hot shot heat seeker bullets to shoot around a corner and shoot you right in the heart, basically. Which, hey, man, he's Don't not a judge. He's not above a killing perps. It's just he doesn't per- he doesn't. It's not his first choice, basically. Do we have a tally after this? Uh, it's hard to tell exactly how many people he's killed. Um, I'll edit this later and I'll, I'll re-enter my uh, Judge Dread kill count. I'm sorry, I haven't been keeping it up. No worries. It adds like, whatever it is, there's like 30 clegs on there that we just can't <laughs> count, you know? <laughs> hey, it's Conrad from the future with the Judge Dread kill count. It's been especially bloody recently and our kill count stands at 93 kills for the judge. Just a reminder that for the kill count, I'm counting kills of human beings and sentient aliens. I'm not counting robots or dinosaurs. Back to the show. In the past. But so... Eventually, he's he rolls through the town. He's unstoppable, and it's sweet as hell. Eventually, 
It comes down to Dredd and the leader of the punks, Bob. Dredd kicks his ass and forces him to, to admit that he's just a cheap punk. <laughs> then Jeez, he drives all the punks to the wall and kicks them out of the South Muty Land Tunnel. It's like, peace, dudes. You guys get to live on the outside for like 10 years. Yeah, pr- citizenship is a privilege, not a right. You're exiled. <laughs> so messed up. Next episode, the Exo-Men. Man, the end of Judge Cow, dude. uh, It's really good. Yeah, like, I love that they just made this character of Fergie and made him real ridiculous, but then had him (laughs) sacrifice himself for the good of the city and stuff. I mean, it was going to happen. He was that character who was introduced for an arc. But, I mean, yeah. um, The the other part of it, though, is that, like, he seemed so very weirdly out of place to me for the longest time, but... The end was pretty sweet. Yeah, like he was he was a weird noble savage character, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Fergie's a lot of fun, and this was you know this is the Judge Cal is the big like dread story for this year in <clears throat> uh, 2000 AD. It's the big mm-hmm. dread the big dread story. The next one will be the Judge Child in 1980, and that's going to be oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> Well, this ended really well. You but, know, yeah, no, Cal's really Cal awesome, being a psychopath. Man. Yeah. I think, in general, I, I kind of like the earlier parts of it, just where Cal's really in power and being really crazy and stuff. Mm. Judge Fish is always a favorite, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. But, yeah, generally, real good. And then, just having a one-shot that's just Dread being un- an, un- an unstoppable one-man punk punk-killing machine <laughs> is really good as well. Well, it's just like, hey, guys, don't forget, he's also a really good cop as he, like, brings back a truckload of yeah. <laughs> burps. He doesn't bring him back. He kicks him out. But oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of kicking people out. Oh, God. Or, or alternately, speaking of people heroically sacrificing themselves. Oh, no. Thrill to Robo Hunter. So, script robot for Robo Hunter is John Wagner, writing as T.B. Grover. The art robot's Ian Gibson, and the lettering robot is Steve Potter. You made me sad. Yep. <laughs> it's <laughs> gonna happen. So, the team has been taken hostage by Army 2. They were swiftly captured by the endless troops held within the war wagon. And Which, now... what the hell? Like, why did one side just get the awesome robots and machines, and the other side... What, like... You know, they were building for different things, you know? just guess. General One sort of had some ideas about foot troops, and he didn't realize that when you've got robots, you should probably have a bunch of tanks, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those, po- you know, uh, World War One kind of things, I guess. But... <laughs> <laughs> Fair news. Yeah. But so, uh, they've been... So, yeah. So, Sam Slade, Captain Kidd, Cutie, his robo-meter... The robot boots that have been following them around and uh, SJ-1, the first robot, have all been captured by Army 2. They're taken to the to General 2 to uh, hear, to get, to, to, to get a death sentence, basically. They'll be carried out in an hour. Things look grim, especially as we see General 1 retreat and hightail to safety, just completely beaten. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, he's a real, real cad, real bad guy. Mm-hmm. In the end, when the guards come to kill Sam and Kid, it's Cutie who saves them. 
All Robometers have built-in explosives, and Cutie sacrifices herself to save Sam. With words of... It's true, man. With words of love on her lips, she dies, destroying the robot jailers. Sam picks up one of his rifles, damns these robots, and says, let's make Cutie's death worthwhile. And then he goes about doing that by killing a lot of robots. Goes in a kill crazy rampage. He's it's running, awesome. He's running through the hallways of Army HQ, murdering every robot he sees. As they leave HQ, they see the entire city and the world is tearing itself apart with war. They hail a robot cab, same one as before. Oh, snap. And something's got to be done about this whole situation. But what? As they drive around, Sam gets an idea from hearing the radio, the like robot planet radio. The team drives over to the station, avoiding a sec, uh, second army troops when, and their grabber tanks. <laughs> At the station, they find a singing Frank Sinatra dro- droid playing to a bunch of, ha- of hand-clapping bots. Oh my god. Sam kicks them all out and then starts grabbing random pieces of gear all around the radio station. He's building an Amstrang oscillator. My favorite part was that the manager started yelling at Sam and the way that he just dealt with it was like, nope, gonna just shoot ya. (laughs) Yeah, he's through with the answering questions part of the story. Yep, it's just all murder now. Yeah, the Amstrang oscillator will destroy every damn robot on the planet. If they get a chance to use it, though, they're currently surrounded. Oh, my God. We end this month. And then it's a baby with a gun. Yeah, with a kid who, yes, is a baby with a rifle, holding off the RB2 bots as (laughs) Sam builds. As the oscillator nears completion, SJ-1 has a thought. If the oscillator is used, won't it? But then he forgets what uh, what the last part of that sentence was. (laughs) With the troops breaking through the doors and all about to be lost, Sam activates the Amstrang Oscillator. And it works! It destroys the robot boots and SJ-1 and all the Army 2 robots that are attacking. It kills both the generals as General 1 signs his surrender. In the robot parliament, as the robot bishop and the robot rabbi address the government, everyone in the chamber is destroyed in a smoking mess. It's even super bizarre. Even B.O., the janitor robot, decided that he's tired of having lived in a sewer robot for 40 years and tries to leave, dies as he tries to escape his ship. So yeah, you know, just a bunch of people that we met who are robots get killed. All robots, robots everywhere are dead. Another successful genocide for a 2080 <laughs> hero. But hey, wait. SJ-1 has old-school circuits that might allow him to be saved. Let's do it. Oh, my God. Next time, Kid's Revenge. Super dramatic Robo-Hunter story, man. Uh, Cutie uh, sacrificing herself is hella sad. It was uh, one of my favorites. Uh, in fact, when he goes on the Kill Crazy Rampage, he it, like the scene is a silhouette of her behind him as he's just shooting a gun everywhere. Nice. It's just really yeah. well done. And for a character who's brought up very minorly, like how he interacts with her versus everything else in the world is so different. Yeah. That it mattered when it happened. For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a cool sacrifice thing and just generally a cool. And like uh, Gibson's art remains awesome and really del- uh, uh, intricate and detailed. 
and just everything's full of little jokes and little action sequences and stuff like that. It's really true. It's a beautiful freaking book. <sighs> yeah, man. Yeah, like all the all the cityscapes and all that stuff are super duper awesome. And it's just lots of explosions and blowing things up now. That's right. And speak. Yeah, we're only uh, we we've only got two more episodes, two more progs of Robo Hunter left. We'll finish it up next episode. Next episode. Oh, holy crap! Which will be exciting. But hey, speaking of awesome cityscapes, <laughs> Thrill Three Strontium Dog. Been waiting to get here. Oh, it was so good. Script robot is uh, John Wagner as, as T.B. Grover. Art robot, Carlos Escara. Lettering robot, John Aldrich. Escara rocks, man. This comic rules so hard visually. It's so, yeah, like, okay, so Strong Team Dog has the middle spot, and so it means that it gets two color pages every month, which is basically like, like the centerfold spread of the comic, basically. And it and looks so good. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. Just these cr- ridiculous hellscapes and burning lakes and stuff. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my but, God. But so uh, Johnny Alpha, Wolf, and the Gronk enter the doors that say all roads lead to hell. <laughs> and make their way Great down. So far. Yeah, they make their way down a seemingly endless staircase. The stair steps disappearing behind them as they go. Still a good idea. Let's keep going. Uh, no no choice at this point. <laughs> Eventually, they arrive at a rocky plain that leads to a giant city full of tall buildings that basically look like partially melted candles, is what I, how, how I describe yeah. them. Or like um, like Gaudi buildings, like the, uh, the author, the uh, Barcelona architect. Mm-hmm. They look a lot like that, too, which might... I don't know where Carlos Escara is from, but if he was from Barcelona, then that would really make sense. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's got a very high look to it. Yeah, the air is full of weeping and wailing of souls and torment. But what's that? <laughs> it's it's Fly's Eyes Wagner. Get him! <laughs> oh, the, gotta run away. As the boys give chase, they start being grabbed by the hands of the denizens of the city. They're all gross. Yeah, they're all gross and mottled with masses of festering green sores. And they oh, all beg okay. them for the way out. Like, let us help us escape. Let us go. And it's just like, oh, you guys are creepy and gross and weird. Even yeah. wolves, like, don't touch me. Ew. Yeah. Hey, Wolf knows what's gross and what isn't. Uh, (laughs) It seems like they've all been trapped here in what they call the City of Lost Souls for years. Suddenly, it looks like rain, and everybody runs. The boys are quizzical until the rain starts, and they realize that it's liquid fire! Oh, God, it's horrible. Yeah, and the furry body of the Gronk is burning up. Oh, poor Gronk. Yeah, so they all get out of the rain and put themselves out. They learn that this is the city of lost souls, the first city of hell. From, from a street preacher, they learn the only way out is to trek to the root of all evil, the black citadel on the mound of skulls. Uh, among the crowd, they find Fly's eyes, and before he can react, Johnny blasts him to oblivion. Like, just a powerful enough shot just to turn his body into a smoking corpse. But wait. And then that smoking corpse starts con- like congealing and becoming a person again. He's coming back alive! No! It seems like no one can die on this dimension. Uh, Fly's eyes swiftly heals physically back to 100%. And <laughs> the street preacher says the only way out is the Black Citadel. 
Johnny and the guys decide to make the trip, but immediately run into the problem. Uh, the town is bordered on that side by a huge river of flame. <laughs> to cross the river would clearly mean death. But hey, there is no death here. After oh, some God. hemming and hawing, Johnny decides to head out. And when Wolf says, I'll just stay behind, he knocks Wolf out and tosses him in this boat. <laughs> a uh, wooden boat. Yeah, Fly's Eyes, the Gronk, and the Preacher all pile into the boat. They tie chains around their waists so they can sort of all be connected to each other. And they go out and onto the river, promptly burst into flames, and then fall beneath the surface of the fiery river. Because that's what happens when you go sailing on a giant river of flame. I mean, you know, I don't know what you're expecting. They definitely didn't have, like, an asbestos boat. Like, it's they aren't fighting the human torch here, <laughs> you know? asbestos boat yeah i've seen weirder things made out of asbestos in human torch comics i'm just saying anyhow through sheer force of will the fiery burned up body of johnny alpha pulls itself out of the river of fire good lord after healing from his burns johnny pulls the rest of the team out of the river and pretty soon they're okay the preacher's green sores heal even turning him into just a regular dude also when they pulled when johnny pulled everybody out somebody just sort of came along for the ride they just sort of randomly fished out (laughs) an extra dude (laughs) who introduces himself as don dork space trucker which like not a not a great name don dork he talks in a constant stream of a CB radio lingo. I don't so, understand any of it. I mean, you can kind of put it together, but it's you definitely. I definitely couldn't understand him like in person. You know, I got to see it in a word bubble and then translate it. You know, <laughs> but this is kind of pre-staging or presaging, I should say, John Wagner's work in one of his great early stories, Ace Trucking Co., which is just 100% CB radio trucker stuff. From what I can tell, John Wagner thinks this stuff is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, The preacher asks to be returned to the city, and Johnny and Wolf give him, like, the literal old heave ho back into the river for him to try to find his way back across. It's they a pretty funny thing. him into a river of fire. They just do the thing where they grab, like, his collar and, like, the belt loop of his pants and kind of go, a one, a two, a three, and throw him into the Dear river. cucumber. His word bubble's like, goodbye, ah! <laughs> And now it's time to head off. Uh, it's Johnny Alpha, Wolf, the Gronk, Don Dork, and Fly's Eyes Wagner, currently in handcuffs. And they're off to see the wizard, or uh, Satan. Yeah, Satan. They. Uh, yeah, it's definitely Satan. They head off into a field of weird globes on the ground. Good times. And uh, apparently the next frog is Desert of the Living Dead. It's in the next episode, buddy. It's exciting. Mm-mm-mm. Dude, strontium dog, buddy. It's so fucking good. It's arts, so yeah. really good. The art's really amazing. The story's really fun. These guys have, you know, these sort of space mercenaries have mm-hmm. found their way to literal hell and have to deal with it and stuff. And it's, it's, it's really neat. Great. Like, they, they do the whole, um, like, Don Dork was trapped in the fire for, like, four years or something like that. And yeah. they describe, like, 
how every second in is this intense agony because you're just a burning the whole time and always feel it. It's it was done very well to make it like reinforced as hell. You know? Yeah, man. It's a good good hell story, man. It's good. good. <laughs> it's a good hell story. Hey, I also really like how Johnny this time at least has all of his gear and stuff. So he's doing things. We saw like some flash charges and stuff. I I think we're gonna see some more. Um, gear as the story goes on which is very exciting mm. for me i'm i want to see more of his uh his time delay bombs yeah me too all the time stuff is good i hopefully we'll get some more of it but i, I forget at the moment but still just as hell stuff is real good carlos oh. Escara is always great and his arts and his arts fantastic for this uh, i John love wagner, color yeah john wagner does some cool stuff with the story and just generally more strontium dog please and we'll get it for about eight more procs. Uh, oh, fuck yeah. I love this comic. Yeah. But speaking of a journey through hell, non-thrills, nerve center, and pinups. <sighs> you know, just the extra stuff in the progs. <laughs> um... Prog, uh, Prog 107, there's a pretty cool picture of sort of a Robusters, Strong Team Dog, Judge Dredd mashup. But the mm-hmm. big thing in this is the casting quiz that I sort of gave some answers for in episode 26. Everybody agrees that 1970s era John Travolta is the best pick for Johnny Alpha. Otherwise, it sort of changes. Duh. And then this episode, and then this prog also ends with a pinup of Fergie, R.I.P. Oh. Prague 108, Tharg makes a push for people to to subscribe to 2000 AD. Yeah. I guess you subscribe through your newsagent instead of through, like, the mail. I don't know how it works in England in 1979. Oh, you go to, like, a newsstand or something? Yeah, you got to bring, like, they they have a a cartoon for it later in the the issue. Oh, weird. You fill out a subscription mailer thing and you give it to, like, your local newspaper man and he, like, uses it to... To reserve your copy of 2000 AD, basically. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, letters are very positive about the Terramex and angry about Bellard and Nelly leaving flesh early, which are both fair, fair and true. Yeah. There's a picture of Tharg and Star-Lord where Star-Lord looks extremely Bruce Lee-like. Yeah, and <laughs> Tharg looks real weird. Yeah, I think it's like they Tharged and Star-Lord up like a, a picture for a Bruce Lee movie, <laughs> like the, the poster for a Bruce Lee movie. And so yeah. Tharg is like some sort of like mystic Asian elder guy, basically. But they <laughs> Tharged him. But they Tharged him. That's right. The comic ends with a pinup of Wolf from Strontium Dog. Oh, yeah. This looks dope. Yeah. In Prog 109, Judge Dredd is off for the week. For the first time since Prog 1 when he first appeared. Or when he when he didn't appear and then appeared in Prog 2. His next uh. day off will be in Prog 155. And the next time Judge Dredd won't be in the in the comics will be Prog uh, 1100. Whoa. <laughs> Yowza, yeah. Note it's that there time. wasn't... There wasn't a similar note about Dan Dare not appearing in the comic in Prague 108. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one. No one cares. Yeah. A uh, a youth has created uh, like fan club items for a 2018 and Star Lord fan club, which seems pretty nice. According to the book uh, Thrill Power Overload, uh, 
the writers of the writers and editors of 2080 wanted to make a a real fan club for 2080, but they they got stymied by the stuffed shirts at Fleetway. Oh, what the crap, guys! <laughs> There's also a pinup uh, showing Walter hardcore macking the on the lady robot uh, Rowena on the moon. It's moon macking. <laughs> Then Robo Moon Macking, there's a lot more oil involved. Always. <laughs> oh, oh. Mm. In uh in, in Prague one ten there's a petition uh questioning the Tharg Star Lord Alliance, which requires the editors to write a note from Star Lord saying shut up, just buy this comic, basically. <laughs> but uh the the money letter of this month is from Luis Pinkney from South Shield who has started a group called the Strontium Bitches, demanding female Whoa. starring roles. Uh. <laughs> uh, Tharg promises a special Judge Dredd story about a very special female judge coming up soon. Now, I'd bet, as they write this, they're probably referring to the story Night of the Fog in about 17 progs. Mm-hmm. But... If you're writing, like, the movie about the history of Judge Dredd stuff, this could very easily be taken to mean Judge Chris- Judge Cassandra Anderson, who will grace us with her presence in about 40 more procs. But that seems so far out at this point that I don't think it's what Tharg's referring to. I think he's referring to the mm. closer story that, it, that like, specifically features a female judge, but before Anderson, just because Anderson's, like, almost a year out at this point. Right. Huh. Yeah, I'd think that'd make a lot more sense. You know, we'll see. But just just to keep in mind. Uh, the other thing is you can say the word bitch in the letter column for this comic. <laughs> like, who knew? <laughs> I don't I don't think Marvel would let you would, would let you post this letter or would print it. I'm just saying. Which is ridiculous. I guess maybe there's it's one of those things where certain swear words are stronger or, or like are either stronger or weaker in England versus America, you know? Oh sure. So like maybe maybe bitch doesn't have the same weight that it has here, sort of like how they have with like the C word or like how bloody is actually kind of a swear word there. Like if you say something's bloody disgusting, like your mom will yell at you if you're like ten years old, you know? Oh wow. Uh, I saw it I saw it on a show. <laughs> on the television I think on the telly in this case but you know what I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah uh, let's go talk about something we don't want to talk about yeah but first actually well I, I skip things up just because um, I I want to I, I want to do things the right way and end on a super high note so first let's go to thrill for future shocks Oh, yeah? Yeah. So uh, there's two future shocks this month. <clears throat> the first one's called Together. The script robot's John Higgins. The art robot, or sorry, all jobs are done this in this one by John Higgins. Art robot, script <laughs> robot, lettering robot. So uh, there's these two astronaut guys. They're Dave and Ron. They're lifelong buddies. <laughs> They're eventually chosen to explore the galaxy together. But then their ship, yeah. But then their ship gets hit by a meteor and they crash on a planet, which is bad. Um, then they get man, picked up. Sucks. Yeah, but then they get picked up by an alien race, and the aliens fix Dave and Ron, Dave and Ron up. But when they come to, they see that the aliens have four arms, and that when they healed them, they healed them so that the they had four arms. So now <laughs> Dave and Ron are one body, and they'll be together forever. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god. That's uh that's how it goes. No doubt. The next one, the next future shock is Sacrifice, script robot Alan Hebden, art robot Mike White, lettering robot Jack Potter. So this story opens with a bunch of rich jerks on a spaceship getting shown around the fairly new colony on the planet Tarka 3. It's a dry, airless world because the previous inhabitants, an ancient alien race, had a huge nuclear war which evaporated all the seas and stuff. They meet Reed, Bens- Reed Benson, the head of the colony, and the rich jerks are jerks. They don't like the colony. They think it's a waste of time and money. After the jerks leave to deliberate on the fate of the colony, whether they'll close it or not, Reed's daughter shows him some ruins from the former inhabitants of the planet. When he's alone there, a mystery door opens and Reed hears a voice. The former inhabitants sense his intelligence and compassion and offer him a choice. They will release huge stores of air and water onto the planet, basically like total recalling it, basically. You know, like the mm. the, 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 the Schwarzenegger movie, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. But also a nuclear bomb has been activated that will destroy the planet in one day. Which why? I don't know why they added the extra part to this, but you know, whatever. <sighs> he can he can stop the bomb and make the planet a, par- a paradise, but to do so, he must sacrifice himself. He will die slowly and in agony, but he'll save and revitalize the planet. Can he do it? Yes! He steps up, screams in pain, and the future of his planet is secured. The rich jerks agreed to keep the colony going, and as they fly off, they talk about, oh, how that ruffian Reed Benson is probably loving this because he doesn't care about the cost of anything as he stands on this platform, agonizingly dying to secure the future of his planet, his family, his children, and his children's children. It's pretty horrible. Bah, bah, bah. No, man, I loved it. This is a gr- this is the first awesome future shock, if you ask me. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. It's just like holy shit. Like it's super sad and like about this guy's sacrifice, but I feel like it's a worthy sacrifice. I think it's a cool, oh, absolutely. it's a cool story, and you know has a has a great anti-authoritarian. Um, bent of like these rich guys don't know you know first like there's a big part in the middle of sort of reed saying like these guys you know these bureaucrats don't understand what it's like to live on this planet the hard work we've done all the stuff we've we've accomplished they don't appreciate it so like even in that case they sort of just see him saying like oh give us more money so we can waste it on this useless planet well he's saying like hey this is where our homes were this is where we've carved out a life on this barren planet you know (laughs) exactly and then when he sacrifices even more and they're still sort of just saying oh i bet he's loving this because he's just this spendthrift bumpkin like it's a cool juxtaposition it's a cool story and it's really neat yeah and it's definitely, I'd say it's definitely the best future shock that we've had so far. I can't think of any at the moment that are like, come close to it. Oh no, most of them are all garbage. Kinda. I mean, it, it's telling that this is also like a five page future shock or something. Yeah. It's one of the longest ones we've seen as well. But, you know, the punchline makes sense and it sort of works its way up to it. It lays foundation and then fit and then fills out that foundation. You know, good job, yeah. basically. Yeah. I like it. Certainly deserves an accolade. 
Totally. <laughs> normally these are not not great. <laughs> it's true. Speaking of things that are not great. <laughs> oh god. 305 Dan Dare. It's it's really bad. <laughs> Script robot Tom Tully, art robot Dave Gibbons, lettering robot also Dave Gibbons. So okay. When we last left Dan Dare, he was caught in the undertow being pulled under, be, uh, you know, falling to his death in this river thing. And the Mekon could possibly save him with his flying sky chair, but instead the Mekon's like, screw that, I'm out of here. Or no. Well, I guess the decision is a new part. He decides to let Dan Dare die. As he does, he tells Dan his name, and in the stress, Dan recovers his memory. Oh, yeah. Did great. Mekon flies off, leaving Dan to die. But instead, he gets saved by a crazy squid monster. And it doesn't touch him all over his naughty parts. Nope. The squid monster drags Dan to the shore, where there's a bunch of weird-ass Listerians to meet him. Um, they got weird mouths and weird faces. They're like ants. Yeah, like I'd kind of describe them as um, Janice from the Muppets, kind of Times and Anteater, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, they and explain then, like a hot one shows up later. Yeah, they explain that the squid is their pet chrysalid and it's pretty harmless. Among their group is Sondar, an old buddy of Dan's and an old enemy of the Mekons. He's also a treen, which are the uh, lizard-like people that the Mekons king of. Uh, he's an old Dan Dare ally, and I guess he was in that laser cage at the start of the story, and then he beamed down to the planet during the confusion when the Thraxians attacked. Which, alright. But the Listerians are all pretty stoked about what's going on. They got a prophecy of a chosen one, a destroyer, <laughs> who will come in the shape and form of Dan Dare. They have no idea how true the destroyer part of that is. Ha! So, Dan Dare's chosen one, alright. He suggests caution, but the fiery princess Myriad, who's basically Dejah Thoris by way of a Muppet Anteater, says that the time <laughs> to act is now. Dejah Thoris from, like, John Carter of Mars and all that stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, they ride out on the squid beasts and attack. At the north gate of the city, they find a guard tower with only a few centuries. Dan draws their fire, and Myriad takes down a heavy energy gunner with her space whip. Yeah, the attack is on, but as they charge, the Thraxians drop a force barrier blocking the door. Oh no, we, we lost, we're all dead. <laughs> we, can't, we can't get through this magic thing. Uh, or wait, maybe there's a way. Uh, Dan gets Sondar to give him one of those kind of leg up, like step on my hands, alley-oop kind of things. <laughs> and uh, it works. Yeah, Dander jumps onto the wall, and then he's able to catch a grenade and throw it into the gatehouse and disrupt the shield. The way is clear. Charge! Victory is ours! But we have Onward to keep... for Lystria. For yeah. freedom. They have to keep moving into the city to avoid uh, Thraxian reinforcements. And, man, there must be some kind of weapon or something to make this fight easier, right? And there is! <laughs> oh, it awaits the hand of the Chosen One, eh? Eh? I wonder where we could find someone who's the Chosen One, eh? <laughs> someone who's definitely going to commit genocide with a super weapon. Hey, where is it? It's uh, high above in the Dome of Eternium. Let's go get it! Uh, okay. There's an there's an elevator, and just like in Mass Effect, only a certain number of people can fit in an elevator, in this case four. <laughs> so, we'll take uh, 
Dan Darren so and uh and uh what's his name? Dan Darren Sondar, that's a natch. We'll take uh, XOR, who's kind of a sage guy. He knows what he's talking about. We'll need him to just kind of read runes and, and provide exposition. Oh, and God. for the last one, uh, yeah, we'll take the chick. Get Myriad in here with their whip powers. They take their weird the, mouth and eyes. I mean, all these aliens have weird mouths and eyes. That's sort of how it goes. Their dead visage. <laughs> On the top of the tower. Oh, Jesus, more Thraxians. Let's fight. I guess we're going to do some more fighting, maybe. Well, Meanwhile, the, the Mekon looks watches. on, rooting for injuries. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Next next time, the power of Eternicus. <laughs> Eternicus. Yeah. Uh, why not? <sighs> Dan Dare, buddy. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> It's just kind of more of the usual stuff, more fighting, more kind of bland action, whatever. Well, that's the thing. It I wouldn't even call it fighting. I would call it bland action, though. I think it's pretty. It's kind of okay. Like I kind of like um, myriad whipping dudes with a space whip. I always appreciate that. Um, and like you know, it's fine. It's very bland. It's really, honestly, the it's. I'd say it's less bad and more bland than anything else. It really stands out against Judge Cal and Fergie going over the side of the of the building, or Johnny or Johnny Alpha in Hell, or um, right. the giant robot wars that um, big jobs, baby. Yeah, the giant robot wars of Robo Hunter, or just the absolute insanity that we're about to get to in Robot Hunters, you know, or in yeah. our Robusters, you know. I, I think it's just everybody is doing exactly what their character is supposed to do. Like, yeah. the Mekon's doing a double cross and a trick, and the hot one's got a hot woman weapon. And she doesn't Dan like Dan Dare right now, buddy. That's important <laughs> yeah, to know. she will later. And Dan Dare's doing all the right things, and Sondar. Sondar. Who looks weird and says some things sometimes. And he's just one of Dan Dare's buddies from the old days, like before the 2000 AD days. So it's like, oh, geez, like some backstory stuff that I don't know. But you guys have a bunch of inside jokes that I'm not aware of. Great. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, going through the motions, are we? I guess <laughs> there's garbage now. <laughs> Something. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hey, speaking of things that are both not garbage and more directly, just speaking of the utter ridiculousness of Robusters. Thrill Six Robusters. It's exactly that one thing. Script robots, Pat Mills. Art robot is Mike McMahon and Mike Dory. Lettering robot, Pete Knight. All right, hold on to your hats, all right? Because <laughs> X23 is telling his story. Okay, so Fox. It's a, Yeah, what's up? There's a planet. It's called okay. Saturn Six. It's supposed to be full of gold. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, a bunch of humans and robots land to get that gold, but All right. the planet's real crappy, and the robots have it really rough. They got to deal with cave-ins from mining, and there's sulfuric acid storms constantly going on on the surface of the planet. That sound great for robots. We see horrifying pictures of melted and scarred robots as humans oh. basically sit in their domes and play cards, essentially. <laughs> Periodically melting some robots down and using their the remains of their bodies as replacement parts on the surviving robots. 
Uh, dick move. It's pretty horrifying. The robots find a little gold, but not that much. And the humans are like, ah, you can't trust these robots. They're out to get us. The robots are like, no, we're good robots. No. Oh. And they are good robots for all intents and purposes. Yeah. But then there's a problem, Fox. What happens? Instead of food, their supply boxes are full of rubber duckies. What the fuck? Quack, quack, Volgs! <laughs> <laughs> All their food's rubber ducks, and the supply ship won't cover, arrive for two more months. They're going to starve to death. Yep. And slowly but surely they do. The humans grow weaker and eventually all die of starvation. And when they do, the robots feel momentarily bad. But then they reveal their robot bodies. They're solid gold robot bodies. Instead of turning into gold, they used it to replace their bodies to be resistant to the sulfuric acid world. And now they rule this golden planet with golden robot bodies free from human oppression. Holy shit. (laughs) Hey, man. Just what happens, dude. There's like this part where there's a bunch of dead humans on the ground, and then the robots are like, "We're made of gold, bitches." Yeah, <laughs> it's really great. My mouth gaped open. I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god, what's happening?" It was super ridiculous. They're all in a pose. <laughs> They're like partying, like, "Oh, the dead. We're made of gold. We're robots. We're free." <laughs> <laughs> But then we find out some more... Uh, well, but the okay. question is, where do the numbers X-23 fit into that? And, like, what's X-23's secret mission? Note that his name's X-2, or X-27... Where does X-27, I should say, fit into that? And what's X-27's secret mission? Like, so the robot's name is X-27 question mark, so I'm raising my voice at the end to try to make it sound like a question every time. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> so, uh... Back on Saturn 6, the robots have built a giant citadel made of gold. They got a fleet of spaceships, all gold-plated. It's dope oh. as hell. Hey, man. It's, uh, it's a gold party up there on Saturn 6. <laughs> After the humans died and then the crew of the supply ship were murdered by the golden robots, they got <laughs> Saturn 6 listed as a death world, and now they live in peace with no humans ever coming back. But, oh, my God. Because they're also really cool golden robots, they started to set up escape lines to let robots escape Earth and join them there. They also built badass gold defenses on the ship. So, X-23, or X-27, was given a non-gold body and sent to Earth on a secret mission. And X-27 was supposed to be like the secret code word thing. Um, Unfortunately... As he landed on Earth, he was found out by the robot investigation police, the RIP, and was hit by a car and lost his memory. And the people who hit him with the car sold him to Robusters, because that's what you do when you hit somebody with the car. You sell them into slavery. Which, Um, what the hell, man? (laughs) So, uh, he just got his memory back, and it turns out that X-27 is a secret code to to an escape line to Saturn 6. But then X-27 dies before he can explain what that means. (laughs) So, choo-choo guys, try and figure out how to get the fuck out of here. Exactly. The bots decide that they'll have to investigate, and to do that, they'll need to go into the city. 
You've got to, nice veins. To get in the city, they have to escape checkpoints, and for that, they'll need a human. And medical dummy droid Casey could look the part if one, Doctor Feely Good stops doing medical experiments on him, and <laughs> two, they got him some clothes. After a quick a quick raid on a family to steal some washing, our buddies prepare to go to London and hopefully freedom. And yeah, Doctor Feely Good, the medical robot, continues to be awesome here. You know, he doesn't talk; he just displays words on his chest. And they're like walking up to humans and saying, like, uh, you know, you've got nice veins. Or he just gets super creepy. Or as like um. As as they prepare to head out, he's like, "But I have to give more medicine to Casey." And yeah. Like he doesn't want it, buddy. And we're going to the city with him. He's like, "Just one more shot." I'm like, "No, get out of here!" <laughs> it's so ridiculous, gross. <laughs> it's totally gross. So the team of uh, Casey Hammerstein, Rojas, and uh, Ginger, and new addition, Little Mo. He's only a little robot. Head into the big city. Yeah. From there, they'll figure out the plan and then get their buddies. They hitchhike in, dodging RIP checkpoints through play acting. Uh, they yeah. ask around, but they don't find anything about X-27. Eventually, Rojaws gets hungry. He eats some garbage, but gets stopped <laughs> by a deluxe 2L, uh, Fred 2L robot, which is the fancy the fancy version of, Ro- of Rojaws. Mm. This posh robot makes fun of Rojas, and that is a mistake. <laughs> Rojas kicks the crap out of him, breaking his posh teeth out of his mouth and messing up his posh body. Heck yeah. Soon afterwards, they come across a symbol for an intersection, and um, Little Mo realizes that the numbers for it are X and 27 over the symbol of a crossroads, which are an X, so that could be X-27. Oh, snap. Yeah, there's the uh, the traffic light robot for this intersection could be their contact. Could show, little Mo. Oh shucks, I'm just a little robot. <laughs> Meanwhile, that Fred 2L that Rojas beat up is following them and planning revenge. So, okay. Prog one down. Yeah. Check out this traffic robot, Fox. It's pretty great. He's an asshole and I love him. He just walks around giving people what for out of one of his three mouths. He just stands in the middle of the road, like, saying stop and go. And when someone messes up, he's got, like, kind of a New York accent or a Chicago accent or something. He's like, hey, pay the fine. He's got, like, a coin slot in his chest. Like, put the money in. Put the money in dares, see? Dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He char- yeah, he basically just charges people fines and yells at people all day. And then when our buddy shows up, he just goes on a break like a G. He's just like, I'm on break. Figure it out yourselves. <laughs> His name is Gottlieb, well, and he's my hero. <laughs> he's uh, He is one of the more, like, astounding robots that we've seen so far. It's pretty awesome. He's busy now, but he tells the bots to meet him at a robot bar called Greasy Gracie's at midnight. But now back to work. The bots head out, though Casey decides not to join in the revolution. He can pass for human and so intends to do so. Meanwhile, he doesn't want to get weirdly injected and like probed and shit. Seems fair. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get little little Moe's backstory. He's a cute little robot that was purchased by a big mean angry guy. 
<laughs> like kicked little Mo and got angry when Mo did all of his chores and stuff. One day Mo polished the floor and was so slippery that the man slid and sk- and skidded and st- went straight out the window of his apartment to his death. Whoops. And Mo kind of looks down the window where his master fell out of me. He's like, oh no, I'm just a little robot. <laughs> A likely story for a murderer. There's something about Mo that I can't put my finger on. Yeah, that's really <laughs> that's creepy. weird. Me out. But I don't know. It's probably. I'm sure it's fine. He's just a little robot. Um, oh, God. The team enters the bar as a rock act plays guitar on stage, and robots groove to the music. Meanwhile, that Fred 2L rats out our bots to the R.I.P. And as they do, they check the records and find out there isn't supposed to be a traffic bot at Crossroads 27. At, oh, at Crossroads snap. 27. Something's up, and it's time to do something. Let's raid Greasy Gracies. Oh, wait, no. Wait. I want to change that. Yeah. Enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Let's, re- let's raid Greasy Gracies. <laughs> Next episode, The Big Bust. Yum, yum. And that's the product for this week. Oh, God. It's a marathon. There's some good stuff this week, man. It was really good this week. Hey, Fox, what's your top and bottom thrill for this this... uh, April 1979? It's weirdly easy this time. So top is Strontium Dog. Nice. Once again, just out the gate. It's awesome. Hell is awesome. Um, What they're going through is awesome. The color pages are awesome. The art is awesome. Everything about Strontium Dogs is awesome. Yeah, the color pages are good this week. They're going to be better next week. Something I found out, I'm reading this uh, Thrill Power Overload Overload book, which is kind of a a first-person or like oral history kind of of 2000 AD. And they say that uh, in pro- starting in Prague 110, they got a new way of printing the, 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 the Progs. It's called a web offset printing. But basically it lets them sort of do more vivid color in the color pages and then do stuff like breaking the frames of where of the on the outside of pages and stuff like that oh oh they only had it from like progs 110 to 127 but (laughs) stuff like this stuff and then um especially like the color pages for strontium dog and stuff are all the big stuff or are all the big like examples of the of this new printing process that's awesome yeah so strontium dog's top Oh, what's yeah, your big time. what's your bottom thrill for this? Oh, month, Dan Fox? Dare. Fair. That's it's, fair. It's insufferably boring. <laughs> it's so milk toast. Why did they go back to old Dan Dare? That's such a good thing going. Remember when we liked it? Remember yeah. When he was blowing things up and it was great. Yeah. No. This uh, this Mekon and Thraxian stuff is not as good as the Star Slayer stuff, for instance. That's no, poop. But you know, too. things might get. Things might pick up. We'll see how we feel next week when Dan Dare kind of levels up and starts getting some gear in this <laughs> video game t- version of Dan Dare. But um, all right. Well, what what's yours? Top and bottom thrill. Ah, uh, there's so much this week. <laughs> um, Castronium Dog's real good with his hell stuff. Mm-hmm. Robusters is oh my gosh! Just the moment, <laughs> like, like I said, the moment when the robots reveal that they actively ordered the rubber duckies and placed the food, and then <laughs> have replaced their body. I don't know if we said that actually during the review, but yeah, they actively killed all these humans. Oh yeah, then replaced their bodies with gold 
and then they were rejoicing. Like, I'll admit, like, I've read the first thousand progs with a spittle, especially this early stuff. A lot of times I'd sort of flip through some of the other thrills and just mostly focus on Judge Dredd and stuff. So, so these early thrills still have the capacity to shock and surprise me, and that was one that really did it for me. Of course. I... <laughs> Robots generally aren't all that murderous, yeah. but this is awesome. That said, however, my top thrill has got to be Judge Dredd. Um, oh, really? The end of Cal, Fergie killing himself, just this huge firefight against the Cleggs and everything, and then Dredd, and then a, a one-shot of Dredd just showing up and beating like a hundred dudes. Damn. It's yeah. everything that I'm looking for. In uh, It's both... In, epic climax to a to a, a 25 prog story and a one shot where dread is completely badass and destroys everything fair like it's the two it's the two primary things i'm looking for with judge dread did blow a lot of things up uh yeah. he did lead a giant cavalry charge of people on motorcycles yeah he did shoot a lot of people after that. Totally. I also want to give an honor an honorable mention to the future shock. That was an like oh, sacrifice yeah. was an awesome future shock. Bottom, uh, yeah, Dan Dare. You know, it's just sort of like this 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 version of Dan Dare. Like I, I kind of alluded to, and really we're going to see it next week. Really feels like a video game to me. Um, really? Like a, a bad by the numbers sort of action video game. You know. Blech character wakes up with the amnesia so you have a couple early easy fights where you sort of oh, get good. the tutorial of how to shoot things and how to jump um Great. sort of you know now we're sort of unlocking secondary party members and additional mechanics and then <laughs> we'll get the big mechanic the big central mechanic and get to the actual game with the prologue completed uh in next month's progs oh my god really this is this yeah, is all gonna happen yeah, he gets a magic glove that has a bunch of powers. You'll see. Oh, um. oh no. <laughs> All right, maybe it'll be good. Maybe ah. it'll be We'll see for sure <laughs> next time. Any hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us on spacebitter2000 at gmail or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else, just look up spacespinner2000 and we should be there. Tune in next week as Judge Dredd does community outreach and uh, fights dudes with exoskeletons. It's pretty dope. Duh. The Robusters... Wait, no. Sorry. Dan Dare gets this claw of power thing and it's video <laughs> gamey and whatever. <laughs> it's the exciting end of Robo Hunter. He will go back to Earth. A bunch of stuff happens. Uh, and Sam Slade rides off into the sunset for a few issues. Awesome. We'll get the main prog debut of Rick Random. New uh, Rick Random story. Oh, it's uh, one of the... It's one of the most maligned and disliked thrills of all time. It's good time. Oh, it's excellent. Oh, God, no. And then finally, Robusters makes their way to the tunnel chase. Yeah, they board the Satan dart and make their way into the tunnels beneath London. It's an iconic Robusters scene. Robusters scene. The censors and like the brass hates it. It's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. All right. Until then... I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendug for Thrig! Thrig.